0: Welcome to today's episode of the Back in Shape podcast. Today we're going to be talking all about walking, how it can benefit you and how it can maybe be a problem if you've got lower back pain or sciatica. Walking is something that many of you will enjoy doing and it has numerous benefits. It's ways we go to catch up with a coffee, maybe with friends or catch up with old family members or maybe spend a bit of time around Christmas time afterwards burning off some of those excess calories that we've had. It's also some time for ourselves, but invariably it is a, multi-minute or hour plus event and we'll touch on that a little bit more later today but also it has critical benefits in the early days as well when we're very acute when we're in a lot of pain and sometimes it's something that we shy away from and, and I'll talk about that as well in today's podcast but before we get into it as always if you've got any questions any comments anything else that sparks some interest uh, in today's episode then please do use that comment section it's there we read and reply to all of your comments so let's start things off with a little bit about your lower back pain when you're in a lot of pain and a lot of the discomfort that's caused whether it's sciatica down the leg whether it's local lower back pain hip pain buttock pain etc it's caused by a build-up of inflammation in and around those bony rings where the spinal nerves are located and the spinal cord is located unlike other areas of the body the elbow the knee etc the ankle the wrist those areas do not have these bony rings there's room for inflammation to build up and go through its process Process. But in the case of the spine, we have these finite margins. We have these areas where we're just limited, not by stretchy tissue, but by bony holes and bony rings. And we have a lot of important hardware, nerves, blood vessels going through those areas, which can be compressed if there's a build-up of excess inflammation. And this is why a lot of your exercises, that you will be prescribed, not ones that necessarily we endorse, but ones that you are prescribed are given, you know, the four bends, the knee hugs, the knee rocks, the twisting, the bending, the movement, movement in general is prescribed to help you in those early days, deal with that excess inflammation. And we'll talk about some of the pitfalls of that in a moment, but it is helping, like a sponge, squeeze out some of that excess fluid because we know that that building up, even if you've got a disbulge, the amount of times you might, uh, or we see people that oh well I've got a disc bulge but they said that it's not pressing on a nerve so it's not a problem but I still have back pain why is that and that's not really explored and a lot of it is we've got a disc bulge and there's damage to that disc it's not pressing the nerve but that creates an inflammatory reaction the inflammatory reaction in that local space confined space creates pressure use the example if you've got a lift that's supposed to be for 10 people you get up to the third floor and all of a sudden another five want to come in all of those 10 the original 10 that should be there are now going to be squashed and uncomfortable and it's only a matter of time an extra number of person, stuff that shouldn't be there, people that shouldn't be in that lift before someone starts to complain, i.e. symptoms. So that's kind of what's happening in the lower back, and that's why movement can help. However, those movements that are often given prescribed, the knee hugs and knee rocks, etc., They are high amplitude. What that means is they have a large range of motion that you are moving the joints through. The problem with that is that as you move through a large range of motion, you start to tax certain structures, certain tissues that limit that range of motion. And in the case of the lower back, many of those tissues may well be ones that are injured. And if we take a step to maybe look at our knee, as an example, if we have a scab on our knee and we use small amplitude movements, i.e. when we are walking, we don't bend our knee a lot, that scab that's on the surface of our knee will kind of be okay. The tissues around where the injury is will bend and they'll stretch a little bit and nothing will happen. But if we do a high amplitude movement, i.e. completely close the knee then we're going to pull at those tissues beyond what they're capable of doing because they're compromised and they're trying to heal. We'll rip the scab open and start bleeding again. Same thing in the lower back. And this is fundamentally why We do not recommend those activities and instead we can get the same sort of benefit of exchange of tissue fluid and pumping by doing things like walking in those early days. And a little anecdote is when we were running the clinic and we'd have patients come in on occasion and this happened frequently over the years but on occasion people would call and say hey look I'm in so much pain I need an appointment but I can't come in you know what can we do and and nine times out of ten they'd maybe been inactive for a week or so or more just not doing anything stuck to the house and actually by convincing them to come into the clinic then rather than putting it off it really made a massive difference and they turn up and say oh actually you know, what? I'm, I'm feeling a little bit better than i was when I was there, why? Because you've convinced them to actually get some movement done. And sometimes when we're in a lot of pain, we don't wanna do anything, so we just paralyze. We start, we stay still, we stay on the bed. And if there's one thing that is bad for back pain, it is bed rest, bad for satiety, it is bed rest, because we get ourselves into a position where we get muscle wasting, we get weakness of those tissues, and that means that just getting yourself back up right again is a problem. And unfortunately, sometimes you see people in that scenario. So it's a case of trying to, to juggle that and get people moving again, even though they're in pain. But nine times out of 10, just if you're someone that's in a lot of pain right now, getting moving around the house is important. And then it's a case of looking at tolerance. And that brings me to the first bad point, if you will, about walking. It is upright. We are load bearing. We've got pressure on that spine, and there's only so much time before it's going to start to get problematic. If we use the example of just having our arms out in the crucifix position, you'll be able to hold them there for a moment, not a tr- not a problem. But then over time, you're going to start to get uncomfortable, sore, and then you're going to have to drop the arms because you fail to deal with that sustained load on your shoulder muscles, and you let go. Well, the same thing with the lower back. If you've got an injury there, you've got an injury to the tissues that are load bearing. So being in a load bearing position, we want to be as efficient as possible, but we might not be able to. Do it for that long it might be a matter of minutes before we fail but it's important little strategies like supporting yourself on the dining room table and doing laps around the dining room table like a child learning to walk leaning on the sofa is going to be a good strategy to start off with to just get some walking going to get those small undulating movements happening in the lumbar spine to help get rid of that excess inflammation that excess fluid rather than doing some of those large amplitude movements that you see. And obviously we've also got exercises, those of you that are in our back and shape program, you know about the phase one exercises, et cetera. So those are obviously going to be important part. But that movement can be interspersed through the day and you find that week one, you're doing one or two laps around the table. Then you're able to do a couple of laps around the kitchen and then you'd be able to go out for a walk. But doing sets and reps within our tolerance is the important part in the early days, because if you do walk for too long, you're going to get trouble. It's just the way it is. Now, some of you, your symptoms might be a bit more chronic. So it's not debilitating, but it's, oh, I was walking for an hour and my back started hurting. Well, that's too long. So you break it down, you break it down to sets and reps. Maybe it was 20 minutes and your back started hurting. Maybe it was 15. So we say, right, well, I can't walk 15 minutes, but I can walk for 10 or I can walk for seven and a half, eight minutes twice. Those sorts of strategies can really help. Just like we talk about with strengthening exercises, as we're building that tolerance in our lower back and as our lower back's healing, we can gently explore our boundaries to start to get back into walking slightly longer distances because we are going to benefit from aspects of walking. We'll touch a little bit more on when that becomes limited, but first we need to look at the terrain. What are we walking on? Now, unfortunately, some of us live in places where there's a lot of up and downhill. And if that's the case with where you're living, you know, you're gonna to have to try and walk on the flat. And there's not a there's a limited benefit in terms of actually going through walking, which we'll talk about later. But when it comes to up and downhill, I really wanna be very clear about this because some people get caught out uphill we typically lean forwards and that counterbalance forwards increases the load on our discs and creates more pressure on those structures especially for someone that's chronic we won't necessarily feel this straight away some people will immediately be, feel painful because they are a little bit more acute a little bit more sensitized in that area but the more chronic among you maybe with a bit more degenerative change rather than a fresh injury you will often find that actually you don't get a lot of pain when you lean forwards but then cumulative you start to find all oh, later in the day or after the walk you're actually very sore oh but walking uphill felt fine. Maybe even relieving well the reason for that is we're making those holes on the back of the spine larger but we are compromising the tissue by leaning forwards in that ascent conversely as we go downhill we actually find that that's in some ways better because you will immediately often or more likely to feel pain because as you go downhill you lean backwards you close down those little rings we mentioned so you make them smaller and that often immediately gives a degree of pain and often quite sharp pain quite local pain so you're more likely to not be doing up and up and down walking or, or, or hilly walking if you walk downhill first. oh gosh, that's terrible. I'll go back to the house. Whereas if you're walking uphill, you're gonna find a downhill somewhere else and then you're gonna to have to go back down. You're gonna be in a lot more pain. So up and downhill walks are not particularly ideal, especially in the early days of lower back pain. And you need to look at, what benefit you are getting. Yes, there is a benefit from from reg- using walking in a regular manner throughout the day, even if it's just around the house, to free up some of the excess inflammation in our lower backs. And short walks, five, 10 minutes or so at a time, maybe around the block, can be helpful in those early days when we aren't necessarily doing too much in the way of strengthening activities or as extra surplus ways to break up the day and provide a little bit of relief to the inflammation that's building up in our lower back. Done almost as an exercise or as a set And a rep, it's going to be useful. The final sort of area of today's podcast is when walking becomes problematic. Now, I mentioned at the start of today's episode that walking is something that typically, when it's done for enjoyment, it's done for long durations. And one of the big issues that we have in the program well, not big issues, but uh, feedback that you get is, Hey, look, I've got, I'm a busy person. I've got a lot of things to do. I've got family, I've got work, I've got this, I've got that, the other, you know, we're limited on time and walking is a, not, uh, is, is a leisure activity is something that takes a lot of time. It's an hour, it's an hour and a half. It's maybe two hours out of the house. And if you're someone that's struggling for time, the big problem with walking later on in the program, as we're making strengthening improvements and, and starting to feel better is that it subtracts from exercises and activities that are actually helping you know that that benefit I talked about with regards to walking early on is there. But it is not actually, and sometimes people make this um, error in judgment that thinking that long walks are helping the lower back and they're not strengthening your lower back. They're not building up the strength in the same efficient manner as doing resistance-based work. That resistance-based work is going to build the strength of your lower back effectively, which means you are going to be able to walk for longer durations. You're going to be able to do all the things that you want to do with a back that is much more resilient to load to accidents, to slips, to falls, etc. Walking, however, if we are doing it in that sort of recreational manner, you must know that It is not contributing to the recovery in the same way that resistance exercises are and if walking is meaning that you're not getting your exercises done that's a problem now it's a it's it's only really well it's a problem firstly from a recovery point of view because it's just not going to be as efficient so your recovery is not going to be as good or as 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 efficient as it could be if we prioritize our exercises however it's even worse if you're making the false attribution that that walking is better somehow than the resistance-based exercises that's an important an important thing to recognize so it's all in good you've got some family over from abroad you're going to spend some time you're out for a lovely walk in the countryside or around town or whatever it is perfect you know that you're walking for enjoyment you're walking for a benefit which is outside of your back and 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 there's definitely um significant benefits for for that in that in that realm but you're at least now after watching this podcast you're not under the impression that what you're doing is helping your back because then it's so demoralizing when you're oh yeah i've been doing walking and i'm staying fit and active and you know i walk for an hour every day or two hours every day and i'm staying, and then you have a back, back back flare up it's like you know for something really really minor and it's like well you weren't actually protecting your back, you just had made the progress, maybe doing some sim- more simple exercises, you stopped progressing because you prefer walking to doing resistance exercises, and you haven't necessarily finished the job from a strengthening point of view. So that's kind of the final final point with regards to walking and lower back pain or sciatica. Yes, it is great in the early days. You must do it to keep mobile as a way of, with a small range of motion, keeping some pumping happening in that lower back to prevent excess buildup of inflammation in and around that lower lumbar region where we've got some injuries, maybe some disc bulges, maybe some degeneration, maybe some spondylosis, uh, some smaller smaller holes because of the degenerative change we've got. Maybe we've had surgery, etc. So that's going to be really, really helpful. It's also going to be helpful as we build up. We can steadily improve our walking distance and that also gives us a boost. to Say, hey, last week I could only walk for five minutes, now I can walk for 10 awesome but once we start to get beyond sort of 20 minutes we need to be careful that we are not using walking and expecting it to be helpful and taking away from the time that we need to spend doing our proper resistance-based exercises which are building strength and stability and integrity and resilience in our lower back so we can do all of those other things we want to do. We want to in the early days try to avoid walking up and downhill if possible. That is going to be important because it just minimizes the likelihood of putting stress and strain in an inefficient and unnecessary manner on our lower back and that's something to be avoided or taken into consideration and maybe when we are considering walking again or getting back into more hilly walks we really think about our posture we don't round our back but we pivot at the hip that can really help and it's going to help no end with your glute activation as you're driving through with the hamstrings going up hill with good posture lifting posture strength posture rather than just hunching yourself over to close off we've got kind of five tips if we will or a couple of tips to really round things off number one Look for a flat walking space, whether it's in the house or around the block, try and stick to the flat. Number two, the best posture possible is going to be important. If you do not take the best posture, you're going to be standing in a position that increases the loading. Think about what I said earlier about you do have a finite amount of load, especially in the early days on your lower back, which it will tolerate. The best possible posture is going to be helpful. The next thing is make sure that your core is engaged, you're supporting your spine. That's the whole point of us being upright so we can stimulate those muscles and make sure they are still getting that stimulation, even if it's not massive, like you might be doing in more advanced resistance-based exercises as you start to progress through a rehabilitation program. Next one is going to be use sets and reps of walking to gauge your tolerance it's such a common mistake that people will just go oh I'll go for an hour walk oh whoops that caused a real bad trouble it's like well what's the longest distance you've walked for the last couple of weeks oh well I haven't walked more than five minutes in the last five months well obviously that's going to be a bad idea using sets and reps to assess your tolerance means you can be much more focused and the variance you can you can overcook it by a few minutes not overcook it by half an hour in terms of the distance the first time and then you can adjust and modify more closely that way we can get into walking and extend our walking distances more effectively with fewer relapse and the relapses when we do push a little bit too hard is a little bit, not a lot, so we won't have quite the same degree of flare-up. And finally, make sure that in the latter stages, as you are getting some real recovery and the temptation is to go and do other stuff, that you prioritize your resistance exercises first. If that means getting them done a little bit earlier in the day than we would usually advise or we would usually suggest, then fine. Get your exercise done, then go off and enjoy yourself and do the other things you want to do if that's walking. Fantastic, it's not a bad thing for you at all, but make sure we prioritize our strengthening work especially as we get later on in the program, we're feeling well, we're trying to adopt that sort of back in shape lifestyle where we're doing three to five resistance-based workouts a week. That's not too onerous for anyone, especially when it's 30 to 45 minutes, maybe an hour tops per workout. It's what, less than five hours every 168 hours i've said it time and time again but that number should really put things into perspective for you you can all make time to do that resistance exercise those resistance exercises in a progressive manner working hard and you still have ample time to do all the things that you want to do on a daily basis it's just about scheduling these things and sure life brings up challenges for that but if we can always think about that time and be efficient with our time you don't even need to be that efficient when the numbers are at that odds then we can really do well so That's pretty much it for today's podcast. Hopefully it has made you think about walking in a different way, made you think about the benefits, maybe some of the areas that you can avoid so you don't fall into any of those common pitfalls. And as always, if you've got any questions, please do post them in the comments. If you know someone that's maybe been doing a bit of walking and they keep on having back issues or sciatica, then maybe share this podcast with them. Maybe they can get some additional tips to move them towards some more resistance-based work that will build a little bit of strength and tolerance and resilience in that lower back. As always, thanks for watching and we'll see you in the next episode.